woke up in a lucid dream. Now we're hunting for the shards. We might be an oddball team, but at least we've got no bards. World What's up, everybody? This is Pedro, the GM and creator of Worldwalkers. In our last episode, the group left the Nomad's Pasture, only to be surrounded by the Brotherhood of Iron. The group split up, and each made their escape. Everyone that is except for Roberto, who was brought down when he was split up from Tin. Each member of the group is attempting to meet up and avoid capture, but the question remains, did they all think to go to the same location? All right, who wants to start? Who do you want me, who, who wants me to uh, start with them first? I want Roberto. I need to know about Roberto. We'll get back to him in a second. Maybe. Yeah, they need like at least an hour to drag him back. Um, I'll go first. All right, so uh, Megan, you meet up with Gideon back at his ship. <laughs> Is that where everyone else went? Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Gideon's got his crew together, and like they're getting ready to, to set off. And um, he <laughs> he's um, he helps you get on board, and he's like, "As soon as everyone else is here, we're taking off." This was the spot, right? <laughs> I'm part of the ship now, guys. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just sail off with them, and I'm like, "Bye." <laughs> he's like, "I'm going to give them 15 minutes. They can get here by then, I'm sure." <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm hoping this is the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. He says, you okay? Not really. I got separated from my friend. And I just have a... I, I just have a, a, a bad feeling that... Uh, something might have happened. <laughs> <sighs> we'll figure it out. And he kind of... Puts a hand on your shoulder. He's like, we'll figure it out. Vasa, you land in a nearby alley, duck a few other alleys, and then make your way to Thornwood Estates, where you go into the Doppelganger's apartment complex, and you wait in the community area. There's two Doppelgangers in there with you, and they're kind of ch- uh, chatting back and forth with you, trying to find out what happened. Yeah. But um, pretty soon, you hear some skittering, and then you watch as a, uh, hopefully the rat that you want it to be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the rat. Comes around the corner and then Ertleby, what are you, do you take human form or you stay in rat? Uh for now I stay in rat form. Okay. The doppelgangers look a little uneasy, like, oh no. No, um Vasa would have uh she would have immediately called out grandmother to the rat as it appears. The doppelgangers straighten up and Does Ertle does Ertle Squeak do anything to show that it's not just a rat that she's about to curb stomp? Uh, she she bows in rat form. She does like a little rat bow, and then she um she scampers up Vasa. They had previously discussed the fact that the meeting place was ambiguous, and Ertleby had voted for Captain Gideon's ship. So if they hang out there for like even a little while and they don't see people, they're uh, Ertleby will start like annoying Vasa and be like, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Vasa would have also, um, so she, uh, how, how much, what's the time difference between the vi- ri- arrival of Vasa and the arrival of Ertle Squeak? Uh, maybe about like, well, man, you're way faster. So you don't know how, what the time difference is between you and Tin, but the time difference between you and, uh, Ertle Squeak is probably about like, 45 minutes. Yeah, so... Oh, 45 minutes. I don't know. Um, Vasa, the moment she arrived and she saw that there were doppelgangers, she would have told them to go out into the city in whatever form they need to to catch gossip about the directions of fleeing escapees. She would have pointed out that it would have been a very obvious fleeing because there would be dwarves chasing them and possibly a Gundam. Mm-hmm. And she would have sent them away <laughs> to, to gather information. Okay. Yep, so they... The, the two that were there scatter. Scatter! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, maybe about 15 minutes after that, um, you hear the doors open again, and uh, Claiborne and Brummelstone walk in. Okay, so it was 
wasn't exactly <laughs> ambiguous. I'm just saying. I'm sorry, Enzo. I'm so- <laughs> I was. I told Enzo. I was like, Enzo. It's so obvious. Everyone's gonna go to Kenya's ship. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just imagine Tins like, like really proud on this ship. Like any minute, <laughs> any minute. <laughs> she still waits for her party to this day. <laughs> to be fair, I was going to the ship until Vasa said, "You know where." Like <laughs> you guys overthought it. You guys. So, about 15 minutes passed, and Gideon's like, they're going to be here any second. We have to go. Are you going with me? Where would we go? <laughs> there I go. I'm just going to sing a romantic novel. Except he would, since I'm probably taller than him, he would be laying me up against me, and I'd be the... <laughs> you would just look off, and you'd be like, but where would we go? <laughs> I'm going to go to Follis and lay low. I don't want to separate from the group. We already lost but one. But also, they totally left me. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, they're going to be here any minute. They know where my ship is. Then we will freaking fight them. I have faith in my team. <laughs> That's what Tin would say. Tin would say, Aww. without knowing what's going on, she would say, my team, my group is going to be here. Then we, we stand here and we cannot leave the spot. That is not happening. And he throws the ladder over the side. He's like, it's up to you. I'm leaving. I cannot fight the Brotherhood of Iron. They will take this ship apart. Then Tin gets off. Oh. What? Tin gets off the ship. <gasps> and before, like, you, he, you, you start going down the ladder and he's like, please. It's not worth it. They don't know what happened to me. I don't know what happened to them. They're my team. They need me. Damn it. Well, I won't get rid of the uh of the of the circle. Not for at least a couple weeks. So if you guys come to Follis, I'll be there. The teleportation circle will still be there and you guys can use it to find your friend's grandson. So you're going down the rope? Uh yeah, it's going to go down the rope. <laughs> All right, be careful, because they're going to have this place surrounded soon. So, don't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> you can still climb up the rope, Tin. You're only halfway down. I can't, I can't, I can't leave you guys. What if, what, uh, what if um, they just changed the license plates of his ship <laughs> and the other one? The one with just oh, the captain. brother Gideon. <laughs> <laughs> that's my evil twin. <laughs> no, okay, okay. Tin, Tin does not like any of this situation. She's super conflicted, but then she thinks... We need Tompkins. He's going back to Fallis. We have this part of the teleportation thing. In the end, we need to be on the ship using this teleportation device. I need to stay with the ship or else I have a greater chance of being captured. Like her little military mind is like, beep, 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 boop, 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 boop. It's like, I have a greater chance of being captured here by myself. I'm with a crew here if we leave now. Um, so I think she is just, she's going, she was going to head over the ship. Then when he said that they're going to have me surrounded, she <laughs> Wait, are you going back up? Yeah. Alright, you climb back yeah. up the ladder and he pulls the ladder up and he's like, I think you made the right choice. Let's get out of here. Tim's gonna have a side adventure, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Not if we catch her first. No! Side adventure! <laughs> that means I'm gonna die! Tin and pumpkins. Also, out of character, Hello. like, why do we fucking care about the teleportation device anymore? That's just to get what's his name, Smarmy McSmarmy son. And we don't, we don't fucking care about him anymore. Oh. <laughs> I care. Erdlebee cares, yeah. Alright, so yeah, um, you two take off. He uh, sets off. You can see the Brotherhood of Iron was right there. So had you not gone with him, you would have had to have stealthed and or fought your way through. How many... Um, there's a small group. There's uh, about 15 of them. Plus oh, two vault armors. Tin, tin kind of like, she's like... <laughs> uh, 
actually, when she was halfway down the ladder, she saw them. And she's like, wait, 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 I'm going back. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to be super brave. And then she like looks over and sees them. She's like, just kidding. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's it for me this episode. I'll see you guys later. I'm just going <laughs> to... I just imagine her sailing off into the like sunset or whatever on the ship like farewell so about a, a an hour passes and then those two doppelgangers come back and they come up to Voss and they say well uh, yeah some bad news and Voss would say let's hear it your forged friends are gone what do you mean one of them got captured, and the other one left. Left how? Uh, by airship. The Falcon, I believe. Uh, Vasa's shoulder would actually descend a little bit with relief at hearing that, but then she would say, um, what happened to the captured one? He, <laughs> well, I mean, he got taken back to the Brotherhood of Irons headquarters, which to me sounds like the cellar. Are they already there? Are they in transit? They're there. He's he's there. Vasa would first look to Brimlestone to see how he's taking this news. Brimlestone has already started packing. He's ready to go to the cellar. (laughs) It's got Uh, an extended stay, so... Yeah. (laughs) Um, Upon seeing that, Vasa would lock eyes with Claiborne and very meaningfully look at... Um, look towards Brimlestone as if to be like, you need to deal with that. And then she would turn back to uh, the doppelganger and she would say very firmly to the doppelganger, we need to know whether he's already in the cellar or if they're holding him in the building. He's, he looks and he's like, there's no way they'd bring in a forge and just leave him outside of the cellar. He's He's got, to. I mean, I'll go find out, but I'll go just to confirm what I already know. He's got to be in the cellar. And Vasa nods and says, thank you. And then he he heads off again. So after he takes off, uh, Claiborne looks at Brummelstone and she kind of softly approaches you and she's like, so what is the plan exactly? We get, we get him. Okay. I feel like it should be a multi-part plan. (laughs) (laughs) That's where Brummelstone would be like, point taken. (laughs) He would like, he goes, what do we know about the cellar? Well, the cellar is... It's a near-inescapable prison. They don't have a court system here. They don't have a, any sort of uh, way to process prisoners. They put them down there, they leave them down there, and they feed them if they remember. They let people out at a whim. They don't have any way to... There's, there's no kind of law as to when someone gets out, they do what they want down there for as long as they want. Everything I hear about it says that the doors are unpickable. Like, you can't... They use some kind of... I don't know. There, there's something about the way they lock their doors that you can't use. And she looks over at Vasa. She's like, we can't use anything that you've got to unlock them. We'd have to go in there with a plan for opening the cells without knowing how to open the cells. Even if we got in there, they keep all the weapons separate, which shouldn't be a problem. I don't know if... I don't know if your brother has anything that he needs to keep, but they'll take it all off of him. As long as we get him, we can replace the rest. Once we got in there, I mean, if we could get our way through everything, that's a big if... We'd have to then sneak or fight our way out right after. If we can find uh, the grandmother, we could use that scroll we had. And maybe we could sneak out that way then. But if we get caught, we're going to have to fight who knows what down there. And by all accounts, even if we got Roberto out, we're down one more member now, and not just any member, we're down one of your gunslingers. This is true. Now you said they let people out on a whim? As in, there's no reason to assume they're going to let anyone out at any given time. They decide when and how. Does that mean we can bribe someone? You could always try, but I mean, what we're talking about then, and she looks at 
all of you, but she kind of specifically glances at Vasa because she thinks this is something that Vasa is going to have an opinion on. What that means is we're not leaving tomorrow because there's no way that we can do the kind of research and reconnaissance that we need to by tomorrow morning. She would say, how secure is the jump rail system? Because we, we, ca- we have to assume that it's fiercely guarded at this point to prevent our departure via them. It's run by the Brotherhood of Iron. It sounds then that we have no choice. We do, we do not have the option to leave tomorrow, at least by the jump rails. Well, I don't want to oversell um, your other gunslinger, but, I mean, that sneaking spell that she cast, I mean, that was... That was potent. Uh, Ertlebe would at this point reveal herself and be like, yes, oh. I am awesome, yes. <laughs> Tell me more. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think that that's, that spell, we're going to have to make a tough choice. If we're going to go down there and get Roberto, like if we are, we're either going to have to use that spell to get out or use that spell to get on the jump rail. Or I could cast it on my own after I take a nap. Oh, I guess that's true, too. Sorry, I forgot about that. Yes, I'm very good at spells. Um, But basically, in that case, we're covered with stealthiness in both directions. I've already lost. and I mean, literally just lost. I don't know where he is. One son already. I don't want to lose another. We need to get Roberto. Are we sure we can't literally just do Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> like, cause a scene in the cellar, but then have the doppelgangers show up as the people who are going to the scene to make sure everything's okay, when really they just smuggle Roberto out. Uh, Ocean's Eleven is uh, a bardic poem on Cog. Um, <laughs> So Vasa would have been looking extremely serious this entire time um, to sort of give insight on our thoughts. Like she has begun to think of this group very much as a family or at least a unit under her leadership or partial leadership. And she takes um, that responsibility very seriously. And Roberto is included in that. So that's one factor. uh, Her loyalty is telling her to go rescue Roberto. On the other hand, her very practical prioritizing of the mission and the survivability of everybody else is telling her that we need to let Roberto go because it's an impossible, like you, you know, you're being told that it's an impossible mission to to challenge a seller and you don't even know what that impossible is. You're just being told it's impossible. Um, So she's very serious at this moment and um, very withdrawn, but upon hearing Ertlebe sort of rambling about a a bardic poem from her land and a diversion, a plan, she kind of looks up and, um, she, her first question is to look at Claiborne, and she says, if we had to leave the city on foot and get to Phallus another way, how long would it take us? I mean, <laughs> weeks and weeks. Like, the airship cuts the travel time down tremendously. I mean, it would take us a long time to get to Phallus. And I guess my question is, why would we go to Phallus? Why don't we sneak on the jump rail and go? And then um, she doesn't answer that. Her next question, uh, actually, my question is, what time is it? What time is it now until the, the, the departure of the jump rail? And then she um, she stops and thinks and says, look, we don't have to use the jump rail. What? We spent so much money on the jump rail. <laughs> that was like 10 elephants. I'll just go with you. You would come with us. So when the implications of um, what Claiborne said sinks in, uh, Vasa reaches across and just grips her shoulder very hard in a very sort of silent thank you. She doesn't say anything. She just nods. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, but then Vasa turns very serious and she reminds the group again. She's like, we still don't know. If we can challenge the seller, we're going to need as much information as possible. Grandmother, we're going to need your doppelgangers. Spying time! (laughs) Rumblestone would also say, I know the longer we stay, the more danger we are in for the nightmares. Though, 
we have two fewer people, two magical amulets, we don't have to ever dream. And Claiborne's like, you guys have one. Okay, fine. Just... One is still enough. One plus three, <laughs> 24 divided by three, we'll just never all three of us talk. Uh, wait. <laughs> well, Vasa would look at Claiborne and she says, if you want, you know, she, she would say, you know, the survival of this group is is going to depend on all of us being sufficiently rested. You know, it, she's, you know, if you share that shard, it will greatly aid to that purpose. I'm not ready to take this off. Don't pressure her. We've got plenty of sleep among the three of us. We don't have any forged anymore. I mean, she she, she looks as if she wants to say more, but then she backs down and she says, um, you have indeed sacrificed a lot for this group. Vasa snaps her fingers and she kind of just quips in a sort of like a dark humor. She says, well, if any of us get trapped in the cellar, we can just go to sleep and make them regret their actions. I think our plan is to scalp our tickets um, through the doppelgangers, sleep in shifts, and gather dirt on the cellar to try and do like a heist, mm -hmm, a bribery-based mm -hmm. heist. Is that Pretty sound much. right? Pretty much. All right. So the doppelgangers, if you give um, as they come back in and out. If you want to give them the coins, yeah. they'll scout them for you. And each person will get 50 gold for their oh, coin. Man, the conversion rate is not <laughs> But over the next couple of days, you guys sit down and the doppelgangers go and get... Uh, I mean, they have some information already because, I mean, they live here. But they go and get the rest. And what they give you, like, basically two days later, is they get together to give you kind of a assessment of the Brotherhood of Iron. And the picture they paint for you is that the Brotherhood of Iron is the most put-together and hardcore of the different Brotherhoods. Are they tougher than the Brotherhood of Greg? Greg? <laughs> Doubtful. Whereas the other Brotherhoods tend to work with their cities, and they still hoard their knowledge of, te uh, of the technological, obviously. This is the only one that has their own kind of uh, form of government, if you will. Going into the cellar, everything that Claiborne said has been verified. The locks in there, there's no keyhole. However they lock it, it doesn't make sense because they just shut the door and then hold their hands up to it. And then eventually it's locked and then it's, it's not pickable. And no one knows how they do it. Besides that, there's tons of people down there in the cellar. There are wandering patrol guards, and then there's a whole different storage facility where they keep all the equipment, and that's guarded as well, obviously. And the other takeaway you have is that they have suits of vault armor waiting at the exit in case anyone ever tries to get that far. I think Roberto qualifies as a piece of equipment, so he'll be in the storage area. Yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, just shut down. Like my eyes, oh. my eyes, like there's like a shutter over my eyes. Like I go into a shell. The other problem you have is that the doppelgangers come back and let you know um, those gauntlets they wear. The doppelgangers can't duplicate them. They can make something that looks like them. They can duplicate that look to a degree, but it won't work. It won't work at all. So they're using those gloves as some kind of check-in system. And nobody gets any further unless they can use their gloves. So in order to break in, if the doppelganger's going to, if anyone's going to break in, like if a doppelganger was going to, they would mm -hmm. need those gloves. So what we do is we find a bar and we get early to woo <laughs> one of them. I will gladly seduce <laughs> the sexiest dwarf. The last thing they tell you is that they are absolutely paranoid. So there's no guarantee that any one plan will work because there are contingencies that they have. And maybe this glove thing works and they do that, but like they, they do a lot of different things. They're paranoid about the Forge. They're paranoid about the doppelgangers. And above and beyond all that, there doesn't seem to be a weak link in terms of bribery. Like, they are, in every sense of the word, a brotherhood. They will fight for each other, die for each other, and more important than that, they will die for all of their secrets. 
We can always build another Roborto. Odobi's <laughs> <laughs> gonna sit down into her thinking pose and think really hard. Yeah. Sure there's nothing else? No, like, infrared or, like, tear gas? Uh, if they <laughs> have any other defenses, we don't know, because most of that stuff is, kind of, like, no one's ever broken out. People have gotten out, and so there's a little bit of story. That, you know, there's a little bit of information we can get from there. No one's successfully gotten out. If anyone leaves, it's because the dwarves were done with them for some reason. Is there any of Claiborne's contacts we can use? She seems to know shadier folks who might have been in the cellar. She kind of thinks about it for a second. She's like, anyone that got out doesn't live in Cosmic anymore. Can we? Can we just get a glove? And Claiborne's like, yeah, I mean, that's the f- that seems like it might be the first step. If we just get a glove, and if one of you, and she looks at the doppelgangers, would like to come with us, I don't know how we all get in, but at least one of us could. Vasa says, we would have to kill the dwarf that we take the glove from. If we leave him alive, there's a chance he'll reappear. And Claiborne's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, so just, she was looking to Brimlestone <laughs> as she was saying this to be like, I don't know if you're okay with this. But she, and then she's kind of like, oh, so when your brother's dead yeah, yeah. and everything. So <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's a dwarfs on another. He's met enough dwarfs of another world to know that. Like, these aren't real dwarfs. I've had my fill of dwarfs. I've had my fill of these dwarfs. And he's he's actually kind of scared of dwarfs from Vasa's world because he believes that they can fly. And that's the only reason Vasa would have shot that dragon with him there. <laughs> that's obviously what happened right? <laughs> yeah she wouldn't just blindly shoot at you when you what? were you know 60 feet up in the air <laughs> she totally knew thought you were gonna fly <laughs> so yeah if we can use the spy the doppelgangers to figure out this is where this guy goes or like two of them go we could do a stakeout to know the pattern of this dwarf to know exactly when to pick him off and also just to not appear too suspicious yeah, like, I say if we can find, like, they go Wednesday night drinking. Oh, we don't even need to do that. We just have to capture him alive long enough for a doppelganger to telepathically absorb him. Then we would know yeah. everything about him. And if we could get two, since I am a dwarf, you know, I'd be able to be like, we're two guards and we captured these people and we're going to take them into the cellar. And Claiborne's like, nope. nope. No, okay. no, 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 uh, Vaso no. Vaso agrees. she says, uh, they might recognize your face by now. Um... Even if they don't, that. they would then strip us of everything. That's true. Yeah. Alright, so I guess our plan right now is just to find a dwarf and capture him. Keep him alive long enough for the doppelganger to absorb him, then kill him. So Gideon looks over at you, Tin, and he's like, so what are you going to do when you get to Fallas? Buy an elephant. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm... I... Tin... She's going to go for it. She's going to look at him. She goes, we're not going to fall. <laughs> and she's going to try and intimidate him and say, you need to loop this shit back around and drop me off. Oh. Give me an intimidation check. No. Oh, shit. And don't play. And don't play. <laughs> definitely don't play when it comes to her team. Oh, yes. <laughs> Net 20. Net 20, <laughs> bitches! <laughs> I intimidate the fuck out of it. Holy fuck! So yeah. what's your total, though? Um, Intimidation is charisma. So, 21. Alright, so he kind of backs off. His hands are up. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on? I thought we were going to Fallis. And Tin goes, you don't understand. <laughs> I was panicked. I wasn't thinking clearly. I fucked up. <laughs> I don't have time to reassess my decision, <laughs> and I'm calling a redo. He says, if you want to make a jump for it, I'll get you close enough to the ground to kind of hope that you land safely, but it's an airship. We can't just land on the ground, so I'll swoop you down close to the ground, closest to the city as I think I can get there safely, but... That's the best I can do. And he looks like he still looks panicked, like he has hands in the air, but he's trying to sound assertive. Tin wishes there was an Ertlebe voice <laughs> <laughs> giving her any kind of guidance. I've got nothing. You're on your own, dearie. 
<laughs> Dang, even the voice is stumped. <laughs> Go back. I feel like Ertlebee's voice would be like, Go back and get Robortho's backpipes. We'll need them. <laughs> I need them for my rat <laughs> army. And we still need to find Tompkins. <laughs> what I'm saying is we don't need you. Get out of here. <laughs> no, Tin, Tin, would never say that. <laughs> no, Ertlebee would say that. Ertlebee fucking hit Vasa in one of her wounds. Ertlebee would do something like that. <laughs> Tell Monty I'm So anyway, he's that. like, is that good enough? Hold on, I really do need a second. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. No, it's right in the room. Okay, um... Tin is, yeah, she's, she, she knew in her gut, she had a moment of fear and panic when she got on board the ship, and as soon as she flew off and realized that she was leaving behind her group, she realized that she had betrayed the thing that she, herself, had tried to hold on to the whole time, which is to not separate the group. So... Her thought is, if all the group is in the city, she needs to go back as soon as possible. So even though she is very conflicted, and even though she knows that they need to be going to Fallis at some point to get Tompkins, she says right now it is imperative for her to get back to the city. So she's like, yeah, I mean it! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so he gives the orders, they hard bank. And um, in a little while, he drops you off close, and he says, all right, the rest is up to you, and you're going to have to make a jump, and you're going to have to make a dexterity uh, save to see if you can land without taking too much damage. Tin's glorious return. She jumps to the deck, becomes unconscious, and ends up in the cellar. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I just, just, I just like, crash. break everything. I just smack to the ground. Here she goes. Dang, I'm rolling great today. Um, 22. Nice, you take half damage. I feel like she's just going to have the med kits ready for when she lands. It's like, (laughs) heal, heal, heal. (laughs) She actually positioned it so she falls on the med kits and catches them open so they heal her. (laughs) Wow, Uh, only 15 damage after half. So Tin likes to imagine that she was very like cool, like a like some kind of war machine hawk just jumping off the ship. All right, so you land on the ground, and then um, I assume that you're going to want to stealth your way back to the group. Yes. So give me a stealth check. Alrighty. We're gonna do one for the lower level, one for the upper level. Dude, I'm like killing it right now. Uh, stealth is yeah, I got a nat twenty. Uh, oh my god! Yes, twenty-three. Tin really wants to get back to her team. <clears throat> you basically you make your way to the lower city. It looks dangerous. It looks like you don't want to be down here very long. Um, it's very much the slums of Cosmic. Then you get to the part that really worries you because in order to get to the upper level, you have to take a steam lift. The steam lift is operated by the Brotherhood. But you properly stealth your way through that, and you basically essentially kind of jump on the back when there's a heavy crowd of people. Like, you wait till it's really crowded, and then you quickly climb over the side and get up there before anyone sees you. Then you get up to the the upper level. I need one more stealth check. Uh, Oh, that one didn't do well. Seven. So, you're making your way through the city. You're kind of taking the back streets, if you will. Um, <laughs> Making my way downtown, walking yeah. <laughs> Um You turn the corner, and you see a couple of um, Brotherhood members walking down the street. And so you kind of back off to the side, but you're not hiding well enough, and they see you. What do you want to do? There's two of them. There's two of them. Is it nighttime still, or what's going on? This is nighttime by now, yeah. Uh, Tin is gonna be aggressive, and she's just gonna straight up. <laughs> Tin made a New Year's resolution. <laughs> she's gonna, she's going to be more assertive, and she's right now. It's she's 2017. Assert- 
I'm not just the messenger anymore. Oh, we're gonna have to rescue two forged from the cellar. <laughs> At least we'll be in one spot together. <laughs> yeah. Okay, she's going to um, try and attack, um, shoot one of the um, the dwarves. She is going to take the penalty to try and beef up her attack. Yeah. Well, she probably shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> 11. 11 is a miss. You're going to use your uh, action surge? She's going to normal shoot. <sighs> Damn. Uh, 12. 12 is a miss as well. All right. So the first round of combat, you rolled the highest. Your turn. <laughs> Tin is going to drink. No, she is going to use her lightning javelin. Oh, that's when you know shit's going down. She's going to throw that thing. Thundercats! Thundercats! (laughs) 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 The javelin starts becoming ripped apart with electricity until there's nothing left but, like, essentially a bolt of lightning. And then it launches forward in a streak, racing through the street, and then going right into... It goes right through the first one, electrocutes him, and then um, give me the attack roll for the second one. Uh, 17. Alright, so it goes into... Like, it's lightning as it goes into the first uh, through the first one, and then it's a lightning that hits the second one as well, and then it turns back into the javelin and catches him in the chest. Oh! Oh! They both pass, so uh, go ahead and roll 46, and they'll take half of that. Lame. Uh, 10. And then go ahead and roll... My javelin? Yeah. 5. Alright, yeah, so you watch as the lightning rips through the first one, connects with the second one, and looks like he takes the, the full amount of damage. And he just kind of like stumbles back as the javelin becomes solid, and you just watch the electricity kind of surging through him. And he stumbles back and pulls it out and throws it to the ground. The first one is going to rush forward at you, and then once he gets close enough, I need you to make a DC. Uh, or I, need, I need you to make a strength saving throw. Okay. Blah blah blah. Math math math. Twelve. All right. So yeah, he runs around the side of you. And puts his, that one hand out, and the gears are spinning. And you can feel your uh, rifle start to leave your backside. And you spin around and grab it and hold on to it. And you're able to hold on to it. Uh, he doesn't get it from you this round. Oh my god. Oh my god. But the Uh-oh. other one runs up on the other side and is going to try it, so I need another strength saving throw. Oh no, no! they're asking for it! Ooh, 14. You keep it from him, too. Oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> just like, no, my, my, my. Yeah. Like not today. They, they're putting their hand out, and it feels like the gun, the rifle, wants to rip out of your hands. And there's, they don't have, there's like, and you know magic to to a certain degree at this point. They're not making any kind of motions or hand motions that would signify they're casting any spells. It's just okay. like the rifle wants to jump into their gauntlet. But they're both they've surrounded you now. Tim, it's your turn. Uh, uh, magic. Blah blah blah. blah. Um. <laughs> So I'd have to, if I were to try and fight with my gun, it would be at disadvantage, wouldn't it? Unless you move out of their range. But then they get attack. They would then get an attack. Uh, no, wait, duh, wait, no. It's my turn still? It is my turn? Uh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, you haven't done anything yet, yeah. (laughs) Tin is going to do the whole flailing thing and go, ah, thunder wave. Oh, yeah. They get hit 11 times. Or, 11 damage. Alright, so you watch as they again, the, the lightning um, bursts forward, the, the thunder damage, um, throws them back 10 feet, they each hit a wall, and kind of keep themselves up, but barely. The first one looks at the second one, and he's like, go for the gun, and he pulls out his mace and runs for you. So, he swings the first time, and you sidestep that, and then he catches you off balance, and connects... For four damage. Um, the second one runs forward and you need to make another uh, saving throw, strength saving throw. Okay. Uh, uh, a, uh, eight. You watch as the rifle flies out of your hand and he catches it 
and then spins around, and he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing exactly, but he's got it aimed at you. Oh, on hell no. <laughs> Tin. Tin is all mad about that. <laughs> Tin, your turn. She's going to get her glaive. All right. And slash at the one that has the gun. Mother of... Uh, she had a six. All right, so he dodges that. So the other one comes up from behind you and swings twice, but you dodge and anticipate each one of those blows. Then um, your new friend pulls the <laughs> rifle on you. He's going to step step back so you get an attack opportunity against him. Uh, ten. Ten's a miss. So he does not look like he knows what he's doing with your gun. Like, he fires it wildly, and it doesn't even get close to you. Ten, it's your turn. She's going to try attacking the guy with the gun again. All right. Um, it was a 20. Uh, seven. All right, so you um, take your uh, glaive, spin it, slash him to his side, but he's still up. The one that's behind you is going to go for it again. Critical hit. 19 damage altogether. Okay. So the critical hit gets you in the back of the, uh, like at the base of the skull, and then he follows up with another blow to your lower back. And then your friend is going to try and take another shot with the rifle. <laughs> nope. <laughs> another wild shot. Tin, your turn. She is going to swing again. Um, yeah. No. Yes. No. Uh, yeah. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> God. She is really dazed by that critical hit, and she got an eight. Oh, man. All right. He's going to go for the attack again. Two more attacks. One of which hits. Cracks you again in the lower back. He's working your lower back now for seven more damage. And then his friend. He's really going to line this shot up. No, he's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tin, your turn. Tin forgot to drink her potion of invulnerability, so she's going to use this moment to do that. All right. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, you down the potion and then you can feel like your all of your armor kind of refortify and thicken. Uh-huh. Um, and then that guy is going to attack you again. Two misses. Your new friend's going to try and get another shot off. Nope. <laughs> Tim. I should heal myself. Yeah, okay. that's probably something I should do. Alright. Um, so she's going to use a healer's kit. Plus... Four, so I heal up six, which really doesn't do much anything. My stomach is in knots. Oh my gosh, I'm so stressed, you guys. But your friend is trying to... He's going to back up so you can attack again if you want? Yeah. Okay. 17. 17, that's a hit. Another seven damage. So um, that one looks like it really gets into... Like You actually get a full hit into his side and you pull the glaive out and the blood follows with it but he's gonna limp away and then take a shot miss and then miss again tin okay she's gonna try and disarm this this guy fuck uh it was a one all right moving on so half, then crit, so seven damage. Well, I'm dying. The mace connects, hits you in the back of the, uh, hits you on the side of the head. I hate this game. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that in the days that follow, which is when uh, Vasa and team are doing their thing, she would have been regularly sending out. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, you're gonna find out me. real soon. Yeah, <laughs> next day. You guys have just talked about plans, maybe like an hour later. <laughs> one of the doppelgangers comes in and is like, I um, I have good news and bad news. Good news first. The good news is that your forged friend returned, snuck into the lower city, and made it to the upper city in order to reunite with you. Vasa doesn't even need to hear the bad news. She turns around and immediately goes, fucking damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks over at Erdobit and he's like, they took her weapon. Oh dear. That's a very disappointing thing to hear.
Thanks for listening to episode 32, Calling a Redo. If a week is too long for you to wait for the next episode, consider becoming a member of our Patreon over at patreon.com worldwalkers. Your support allows me to do bigger and better, and in return, you get access to exclusive episodes and art, early access to new episodes, and more. If you're looking to saturate your life with Worldwalkers, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also follow us via Twitter at WorldWalkersPod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash WorldWalkersPod, or Instagram at WorldWalkersPod. Alternatively, you could insist on playing episodes without headphones while in public spaces, affording no one the chance to evade the magic and mirth of internet people playing D&D. Thanks to Kevin McLeod over at Incomatech.com for the music you heard in today's episode. And as always, I want to thank Sirenscape, who provided the sound effects you heard today. Visit them at Sirenscape.com. I'm also excited to announce that pretty soon you're going to be listening to Colossus vs. the World, which we just finished recording last night. Ain't that right, Frank? <laughs> yeah. Hell of an outro. I, I didn't have, I was on the spot. <laughs> but <laughs> funny because Colossus vs. the World is like almost completely an improv game where I don't know what's going to happen next because unlike a normal game, I'm not writing out a long quest. Frankie has decided that he would like to play Colossus and pretty much just come at me with everything he has. Yeah. So improv. True improv. <laughs> what is true improv to you? It's Colossus versus the world. There it is. <laughs> Colossus versus the world. True improv. Finally, the world will come to know what true improv is. Watch out, Dale. How is Deal or No Deal considered improv? Oh, crap. Wait, no. Who's lying? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And scene. In the background, Vasa was just kind of like, she was safe. She was gone. Why the fuck did she come back? Is Ertlebe rocking the hardcore poker face or did her computer freeze? (laughs) She froze. She starts starting it. Oh my god. <laughs> no. <laughs> Olivia, oh, blink if you can hear. Olivia. Olivia. You had to wait a while, right? You're like, it could just be. I know, I was like. I think this is like she's about to get the most game face. Yeah. I'm back. We're, hey! I'm back. Yay! Oh, uh, your face has not moved, but we can hear your voice. I'm so embarrassed. It's probably a very stupid face with like six chins. <laughs> like the pose I'm in. I'm just like, <laughs> I am sorry for my ugly face. You look like you're very uncomfortably <laughs> agreeing with someone. Like, uh. yeah. Why did she come back? At a family reception, and someone has said something about like politics the sleazy, you don't agree the sleazy with. uncle has hit on you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for now, I stay in rat form. Okay. Do I have my hordes with me? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's my legion upon me. I left them behind as a, a sign of politeness towards the doppelgangers. It would be very unseemly to bring my hordes. But they're here in Cosmic for me from now on. <laughs> I want us to play a hundred more games and then come back here. And then just like, it'll be used, like, hordes are still loyal to her. <laughs> of they that spoke one of the second roll. coming of the chosen rat. <laughs> Ten f- <laughs> well, uh, it's like in the last avatar, it's like, <laughs> the boulder is conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I don't get that reference. <laughs> So first off, it's a parody of The Rock. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, let's see. Uh, Erdelby, use your mind powers. (laughs) Wait, for what? For what?
Oh, just the one. Is he going to teleport you guys here no, because you're not here? Tell, <laughs> tell Gideon to tell the gunslinger guild stuff. Wait, tell the gunslinger? Wait, oh wait, gunslingers have mind powers? No! <laughs> it was a running joke that you used to talk to the group and tell them what to do and be like, yeah. so Erdobie's using her mind powers. <laughs> and that was our excuse powers. for you playing meta. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going down the road? Also, as a random question, what if we just fell asleep within the property of the bank and let our nightmares tear it all down and then go in? See, like, Brummelstone's really, like, thought is, like, we just get to the cellar and then can nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, this is more of, like, an out-of-character question, but, like, is, is that... Is that what would happen? It sounds very dangerous to me. In that, like, it sounds like the thing that I would suggest, thinking it would be awesome, and then it would go horribly wrong, and, like, <laughs> one of the party would just be killed before they even had a chance. To, uh, Vasa, like... Vasa. So Gideon looks over at you, Tin, and he's like, so what are you going to do when you get to Fallis? Are you going to unmute your mic, maybe? <laughs> struck with silence. I'm right. so sorry. Tin has been brooding the entire time. Tin has been sitting here stewing. Yes. Um. I'll cut that part out of the podcast where I was being a jerk. <laughs> sorry. I was having. <laughs> you're, yeah. I didn't know I was being a jerk until you gave me that look, and I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I, was, I didn't know. I gave a look. It was more of like a panicked, like, "Oh shit!" Oh, I really. Okay, Tid's gonna turn around and try and uh, <sighs> grapple the guy with the glaive because that's. Oh wait, technically, you're the guy with the glaive. Oh, I mean, with the mate. I'm gonna grapple myself. <laughs> uh, She's so confused. <laughs> um, it's like that scene in Blazing Saddles. Like, yeah, back up, back up, back up. <laughs> you, you, um, 